and who don't know who you are, please tell us a bit more about Diana. Who is Diana? What resonates with her? I just want to know about the person before we get into the wonderful accolades that you have and initiatives that you are part of. Um, well, I am a retired uh, writer, poet, and storyteller. I hail from Worcester. Um, it's about 100 kilometers from Cape Town. Mm-hmm. I came from to Cape Town in 1973. I've published two books, one in English and one in Afrikaans, both poetry anthologies. Mm-hmm. I write in both languages, and now in my retirement, I do uh, lots of creative writing workshops. I am now part of a group called Die Mengelmoesterters. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, and I um, will be publishing uh, my third collection of poetry uh, probably yeah, by the end of June. Can you tell yeah. us about and your most recognized piece of poetry, the one that, of course, has um, <laughs> gotten you acclaim? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, it has changed my world mm. and my life completely. Mm. Well, I um, got a fellowship to study in the Netherlands in 1998 at Utrecht University. And there I wrote this poem after we learned about Sarah Bartman again. It was... Um, I was also feeling homesick, like she did. And um, I was in my room one evening uh, thinking about her. And I uh, heard a voice. It, it was as, as if a voice was calling, I want to go home, I want to go home. Mm. And then, uh, but, you know, but, but I must tell you the background to that is that the Netherlands is, is a very small country, you know, and... I come from the Western Cape. The, the Netherlands is as big as the Western Cape. Mm. And, but they have buses and trains and trams and taxis and mm. bicycles. Mm. So I felt very fenced in. And they have no mountains there. And I grew up with the mountains around me. And it wasn't difficult for me to become homesick. Because mm. I've, I, you know, I feel that place and space. It's got a lot to do with my emotions. And How important was it for you to tell that story? Because um, I, I, if possible, w- would you recite it for us? I don't think there's anything that would be better than reci- hearing it from yeah. straight from the... But la- a bit later on. How important yeah. was it for you to tell the story of uh, of, of Sarah Boy- of Batman? And- yes. I, um, you know, it was... Because her story is our story. Mm. It's my story. I think um, it, was, it was sitting there, and I, and I realized afterwards, after I've written it, and I saw what it does to people, mm. I, I realized that I, you know, it, it, I had to write it. Mm. And, um, and just about two years ago, I said to myself, look, this story and this poem I must tell until the day I die. Mm. That's how important it is. It must be heard, and it, um, you know, uh, a story must never be forgotten. Mm-hmm. Because and, she mm. suffered for us. Theories that were written on her body, you know, were mm. brought mm. to us. Mm. What did she go through that we don't know about that resonated with you? What are the what because we as we know um, Sarah Batman and of course you mentioned her bodily features and just the body. We know that the body of the black woman is one of the most um, contested issues and the agency behind it. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> well, um, the thing is, 
she, you know, it is, um, um, it is speculated that as a, she was captured as a child, mm. you know, after a raid on the kraal, mm. brought to Cape Town where she worked as a slave, and then taken to England under false pretenses, mm. where she was paraded mm. as a sexual freak. Mm. I mean, they, they, uh, her owner, mm. uh, um, what is his name, William Dunlop, yes. when they just arrived in England in 1815, in 1810, he put posters and advertisements on lampers and in newspapers, new, new from South Africa, mm. the Hottentot Venus. And um, people had to come and pay to mm. see her. She had to sing and dance half naked in that cold. <sighs> and, yeah, it, it was terrible. And, you know, after, uh, and at, at the beginning of, I think somewhere in 1814, mm. it took her to France mm. where he sold her to an animal trainer to row, mm. who further exhibit, exhibited her and used her in freak shows and made her a prostitute. What? She was barely a year in Paris Man. when she died at the young age of 25 at the end of 1815. Sure. And, you know, there was an interview out with her in which she said she only wants to go home to the Hamtus Valley where she comes from. Hmm. I, I can't imagine those mo- her last moments and just being alienated from the world, being so far yes. from it and dying at the age of 25. How aware are yes. we of Sarah Padman's pain and what can we learn from, I don't know if such yeah. a disastrous circumstance, such a, a devastating uh, infliction on human rights and just captive, I don't know what to call it. It's absolute cruelty. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we must, um, um, uh, people must become aware of what happened to her mm. and we must tell ourselves it must not happen again. Mm. And, you know, she came home and uh, we are still struggling mm. to uh, let the things that happened to her not happen again. Sarah Bartman was a black woman, mm. things about race. Mm. She was a woman, mm. gender, mm. and she was a poor woman. Mm. So, yeah, we must remember her story because in remembering her story, we must also remember that we cannot allow what was done to her to do, you know, to be done to women again, never ever again. And with with Sarah Batman being um, part of uh, being a Khoisan woman, um, yeah. how important is her story with regards to the Khoisan community? How does it reflect with them? What should we know, and how important is it? Well, uh, you, uh, Sarah Batman for the Khoisan, it's uh, actually Khoi and San. Mm-hmm. Um, because um, I'm also learning that it's... Yeah, it it's, it's so difficult yeah. and it's been so... It's mis- As I mentioned, we, we're learning much more about the Khoi and the San and there's a yeah. lot of misconceptions about who they are and how yeah. they'd like to be represented and being maybe giving voice to them is part of um, the poetry yeah. that, and the work that you do. Yeah, what happened with her uh, uh, returning mm. is that it highlighted, you know, and emphasized um, the existence of of, of Koi um, and San uh, people and, and and their story, who they are, uh, um, where they come from, um, are they extinct? Like people say, 
Mm. Some people say they, you know, those kind of questions came up, and mm. um, um, but before I returned already, there was a there was an awareness, you know, um, that came up and and and, and being strengthened. But I think when she came out, that was just, you know, uh, um, such a, um, a wake-up call for so many people, especially for people from Koi, from Koi Heritage. And um, because her homecoming was a victory over colonialism in some way. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, at the handing over ceremony in Paris, uh, their Minister of Research said, we must ask ourselves, who the real monster in the story is. And um, let, let, I know I'm, I'm getting on the political aspect of it, but I think it, it's really part yeah. of the journey, the history behind it, the truth, the misconceptions. And for me, just finding out that Sarah Batman died at 25 in France after being sold to another, um, I, don't, I can't even, I don't know what to call them. Um, slave trader. A slave trader. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's been yeah. a victim of the male gaze. And that translates yeah, a lot, yeah. a lot to how the dynamics between a lot of the violence with women occurs in in South in South Africa, because a lot of the body shaming happens uh, because of of men who feel entitled to women's bodies. Um, and with regards to some of the the work that you do, um, can you tell us a bit more about your organisations? Because I think it's very important this cross pollination between Afrikaans escravers, Vereniging, and also yeah. the bush poets. I think it's important work, uh, especially with all women poets and women in, in exchange. Those are all related, I think. I, I, I think, you know, we, we uh, get, as, as women writers, we get together and um, mm-hmm. um, we each tell our story. And, um, you know, and in these stories, mm-hmm. uh, what still affects women um, is it, it, being discussed. And, 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 and many times, we find, you know, that what has happened to mm. Sarah, in mm. a way, mm. the, the gaze, um, you know, yes. the, the, also the, the, the gender inequality, mm. the, the racism, mm-hmm. all those kinds of assaults are being experienced mm. by women. Mm. I don't know if I'm answering your question. No, you completely correctly. are, because I just want to get the correlation between the organizations. Let's start with the Afrikaans Escravers Vereniging. Where did that journey start, and who are they? What are they about? What is the message profoundly from okay, that? Okay, they, they, they don't exist anymore. Okay. But you know, at, at the University of the Western Cape, where I worked, in 1985, they, um, the black Afrikaans writers, and, and, and most of them mm. based in the Western Cape and at UWG, established, uh, had a, a, a symposium, the first Black Afrikaans Writers Symposium. Mm. And in 1995, they had the second one. And that was one that I attended with, at, um, with 11 other uh, uh, upcoming writers. And um, there we went to a creative writing uh, um, um, classes or class, and um, the late uh, uh, Dominic Patrick Peterson. He had, what was his, he, he was a publisher also, established with other Dominis, and they wrote struggle poetry, you know, in Afrikaans. Um, for, we say that our, our, our struggle for freedom, our fight for freedom mm. was also in Afrikaans. And, um, and then uh, they, we decided that we need to be organized, but that, 
you know. Mm. So let's, because I have meetings, because we must be there to, uh, for other writers coming up, you know, and we needed to be separate. You know, can you explain that? Because a lot of people think that that um, separation is segregation. Why was there a profound need to be separate? Um, I I think, you know, we had some differences about what is um, Mm. what is standard. Mm. You know, what is what is what is, um, you know, what what fulfills the standard? Um, and uh, and also, how does one uh, break through the standard that was set there? Mm. And we and we realized that for us to um, you know to challenge that, mm. we had to first sort of find ourselves, talk about and discuss. Mm. You know, um, are we really you know on equal footing? Mm. What can we do? Because we also wanted to be independent in trying not to be helped, you know, mm. to, to, to get to a certain level. And um, that was good. But uh, that was good for us to have that. Okay. Because from that 12 writers, um, there was about six or seven who are published writers. Mm. And, um, and so, uh, yes. No, yes, please, please carry on. Please carry on. I will get to the Bush poets as well before the women in exchange. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, we, you know, Patrick Peterson died in 1998, and from there the organization really, you know, was not just the same. So it like sort of phased mm-hmm. out after mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. people came in. Yeah. But um, it, it it has it had its place. It's got its place in our history as writers. Mm. And then moving on to um, the next organization, the Bush Poets, all women the poets. Bush. Yeah, it it, it was it was um, just you know we were lectured mm. uh, by uh, Professor Wendy Woodward, mm. and um, we did a creative writing course, and I think she realized that we were. We were good writers, great potential. And uh, I don't know if you know Sipo Matati. Yes, I'm very she was also, yeah, yeah, she was also in that group. And it was also uh, necessary because this was, again, an English writing group. Mm. And um, it, it was very helpful to me. Um, I, I, I learned quite a bit. I didn't want, to, I didn't have the confidence at first mm. to, to go and study, you know, creative writing in English. And Wendy would 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 encourage me, mm. you know, and people say to me, you know, I must come. I still remember a poet, a poem that I did in in in, in Afrikaans called "Begrafnis van an Oma." There's just something poignant about Afrikaans writing that you never for, forget. How important yeah. is it? I don't know. I, I still remember "Begrafnis van an Oma" to this day, and it is a set work poem. And I can't um, forget it. There's just something about um, Afrikaans writing. And um, can you tell us how important it is and how different it is? And you talked about black Afrikaans writers. Because yeah, yeah. I can imagine back in the day, the whole, uh, the self-conflict behind um, using the oppressor's language and aligning it with what seems like 
uh, a direct uh, contradiction of, of the liberation <laughs> against it. Yeah. So, but there but is a profound it, attachment and and understanding that there are tones. It's a language, and 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 there's movements behind it. It's unforgettable. It has its own vibrations as well. Can you tell us more about yes. that? Yes, it's it's a beautiful language. It's a it's a it's, it's a musical language. And as you said, you know, it's something that you cannot forget. Yeah. And um, but I, I've got to come back to you about the history of Afrikaans. Mm. You know, mm. it is not um, uh, the white man's language. Mm. It is a language. You know, there was a professor Christopher Renz, but he died earlier this year. Yes, and he did a study on the history to, uh, on Afrikaans. And before him, there was Ahmad David, who mm. died mm. a few years, you know, some years ago, who came up with the first Afrikaans was was was. The first written Afrikaans, the first used Afrikaans was the Afrikaans was written in Arabic script. Wow! Because it was yeah, the, the madrasa where the children learn about Islam. Mm. It was there, you know, in the book up there where the where the people the people learned. That was where Afrikaans was first used. Professor Van Rensburg talks about words in the Afrikaans language from Koi. You know, from mm-hmm. Koi uh, that came from the Koi who are thousands of years old. So Afrikaans was made at the Cape. Afrikaans, mm, mm, mm. the Khoi, even before Jan van Rebi came, mm. the Khoi were trading with ships that came past. Portuguese, German, you know, all those Swedish ships, that, and they bartered, and mm. they traded with people. So there was a language already, a trading language already. Mm, mm. And so the Dutch came. And um, and they brought slaves. They, they started the slave trade. Mm. So there was this mixture that came up, you know. At that time, already called Afrikaans. Mm. And those people refer to themselves as Afrikaanders. Mm. It's when the British took over the Cape that it changed. When the British declared English the official language at the Cape. Mm. That's there was a, a people who called themselves already the Boers, a mixture mm. of the French, the Dutch, and the Germans, mm. who said, um, we will not speak English, we have our own language. And so they took that Afrikaans, and um, they sort of, they said, developed it. But you know, there was, uh, there's a great researcher, Patrick Tariq Mallet, who said once mm-hmm. that these guys who claim to be, you know, the guys who, who, who was who were, going, who were uh, developing the land, which called themselves Die Genootskap van Rechte Afrikaners. Mm. In English, the association of the true Afrikaners, no? mm. or the real Afrikaners. So we asked the question, if they were the real Afrikaners, who were the not-so-real Afrikaners? Mm. In Afrikaans, as all the rechte Afrikaners was, mm. wie was die verkeerde Afrikaners? <laughs> I think we need another book here, Diana. I think we need another book here. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so what happened also was that second some uh, Black Africans Writers Symposium. Yes. That that um, you know with that came the 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 the, the seeking. And because there was this contradiction. Mm. I lived with this conflict of 
It's the language of the oppressor. Mm. And it's the language of the where, where, where did this misconception come from? Because we know that 1976 fundamentally was about fighting the language of the oppressor. Learning. We talk about decolonized education and it seems um, the whole cohesive action was to break free from the shackles of apartheid. And as we know now, yeah. it wasn't orig- the, the Afrikaans language itself wasn't originated just from the, the, the Afrikaner government itself. The language yeah. is part of an eclectic mix. Why does it mainstream media and I think mainstream history not recognize the origins of the Afrikaans language. Yeah, or speak louder about it. Mm. Because there are here and there there are people mm. that because so many people don't know mm. this this history. You see, and, and you can go anywhere in the world mm. where there was uh, colonization. Mm. I mean a, a country like um I mean, I, sorry, when, when I was in, 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 yes. in, in school, I was told that, uh, for example, Afrikaans was looked down upon by, net, by Dutch people. It was called Kitchen Dutch. And that's the closest yeah, to the... And that was the closest to the etymology of understanding where Afrikaans as a language came from. Being called Kitchen Dutch. Yeah. That's, what, that's the closest kitchen I came to the etymology of it. Yeah, you can already know what happens in the kitchen at that <laughs> way, where it started. But also, it was called Kitchen Dutch because it was mixed. Mm. It was not pure Dutch. Mm. There were Dutch words, yeah, but it was mixed. It was there's Malaysian mm. uh, people from Malaysia, from Indonesia, from um, you know Koi languages mm. um, uh, um, that was but thrown in there mm. because you can understand there were people from many countries. Oh, the same happened in so many other countries. I went to Suriname. Mm. Also was also uh, colonized by by the Netherlands mm. and. And they had developed their own language as well. They mm. called it, they call it Sranan. And it's a mixture of Dutch and Spanish and African languages because there are um, people who still, uh, you know, uh, in Suriname, people mm. escaped the Dutch mm. and went to live what they would call the interior. And lots of, they have their own African languages though. Mm. It's so important, so it's the work mixture. that you do. It's incredibly important. Yeah, of course. Um, I I know that you're going to give uh, acknowledgement to the different foundations. But just lastly, um, can you tell us about Women in Exchange? That's grassroots women writers. And I've got a lot of friends who are really taking upon it themselves to write and create. It's the most difficult thing. You hear a lot of writers who talk about it. Some who die prematurely before even they've gotten the courage to write. And ultimately, yeah. what would you like to say to them? And what is the, inv- the, the because if, um, if I'm, my assumptions are correct, women in exchange and grassroots women did, did you, did, Yeah, did you mm. see how I we spell exchange? Mm, mm, mm. Yes, I see, Ex- I saw that. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, with the double meaning, but the, uh, mm. we want to exchange the EX okay. and also, um, you know, uh, celebrate that we will not, we are not women in chains anymore. Mm. You know, mm. um, what I want to say to, to, to everybody, mm. we all have a story. And, you know, we are not that lucky in that our ancestors did not leave us the written story. Mm. But we must leave our stories, must tell our stories, so that our, the next generations can know who we are, where we come from, mm. what happened to us. But on a personal level, writing is so therapeutic. Mm. 
writing if you if you if you battle you know with something write about it mm. sometimes you can show it to people other times you can keep it to yourself but also you don't have to be somebody who can write a sick novel you don't have to you can write a short <laughs> story you can write a poem you can there you know what i'm currently busy with is I, uh, or actually it's going to be, my book is going to come out soon. it's finished. Mm -hmm. I'm just, um, you know, editing a bit, um, taking it back to the printer. It's about my father, who was a a World War II veteran. He was actually a prisoner of war. Kept in Italy, yeah, and in Germany. And at the end of the war, came back. And I, my uncle told me stories after my father's death. And I realized my father had post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm, and imagine. I felt very sad, oh, yes, goodness. because, you know, the, I mean, I blamed him for a lot of things in that. Yeah. And I said, I must honor my father. Mm. And I wanted to write a novel. But I, I, I'm not a novelist. <laughs> I mean, I'm, an, yeah, I'm, I'm an impatient writer. Yes. It either turns out into a short story or a poem. And so what do I have now? I have a collection of poems dedicated to my father. Mm-hmm. The narrative, I speak to my father mm-hmm. or speak about him in all those poems. So that is what you can do too. You can tell a story in mm-hmm. poems. Is and it, stories don't have to be the 2,500 words or 7,000 words. You can, you can try and write a story in 100 <laughs> words. Diana, you've, you've achieved so much in your life and um, it's purely been driven by purpose and passion and everything that you can dream of in, in a writer who's as eclectic and important as you. And finding oh, your purpose, thanks. it's always seemed so easy um, for someone who's been able to find their purpose the way that you have. But a lot of writers, young writers who are trying to publish themselves, trying to establish, struggle with the why. And the purpose of, of why they write is ultimately what resonates because you may say, they may be honest and say they want success, they want the riches, they want their fortune, they want to sustain themselves and be a paid writer. What would you say yeah. about all of those kind of conflict? Because con, con, you must have a livelihood, but you've been able yeah. to, to fortunately <laughs> been able to write and be fed by your writing. But part of the artist's journey's journey is um, self-sacrifice. How do you manage yeah. that? You, you, you know, um, I can honestly say I'm not being saved by my writing. Uh, so um, it's, it's, it's a very, there's a small percentage of people that can feed themselves of their writing. So I think, <coughs> sorry, young people must, you know, especially while they're still young, must forget about that, mm. um, um, about writing uh, that can bring enough money in Mm. to pay the rent and to give them food and maybe, you know, buy a car or something. No, you're not going to, unless you're a very prolific writer, <laughs> you write, <laughs> you write, you write novels, mm. you know, and um, you write lots of articles mm-hmm. and you write for the whole world. You write, send it to the States, you send it to, to England and you've been published here and you're published there and you, you see that you get invited to festivals. Yeah, that is only people who I think who go who goes past the age of sixty five really, uh, or say fifty, that it happens. Writing means you've got to work very hard. Mm. You've got to work very hard to uh, establish yourself as a writer. You've got you have to 
learn from other writers. Mm. You have to read. Very important. You cannot, there's no such a thing as an instant success. All right, um, and, um, uh, Diana, sorry to do this to you. I'm being very selfish, yes. but our listeners would like to ask a few questions. Are you willing to take a few calls? Yes, I will, I right. will. We've got Vusi in Tlaupo uh, in East Rand. Vusi, good evening and welcome. Uh, hi, how are you guys? Oh, we're fantastic. How are you? Welcome to the show. Um, I'm good, I'm good. Uh, you're speaking to Vusi. Uh, you know... I'm, I'm listening to what the, uh, your um, your guest is speaking Diana. about, mm. and I'm yes, and I'm and I'm quite intrigued uh, because I'm also one. I love African literature, uh, you know. And you reminded me when I was in the trick of when you spoke about the Khlapna Sana Omar, and uh, yeah, and I remember one poem that is, is still today is still touched my heart by Anki Kroch, mm. uh, the one that says Ma. Mm. And yeah, and one thing I picked up that African 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 writing, it it, it was one of those. Uh, it felt like it was desolated. Mm. It was no longer there. Yeah. So I'm quite I'm quite I'm quite impressed that it's been uh, resurrected again. Yeah. You know, because it, when I was when we were in high school stories, like we used to read, like uh, but, uh, which, uh, I can't mm. remember. Let me just uh, um, mm. you know, all those stories. And th- those are beautiful, beautiful African stories. And now I'm glad that when the writer speaks about, you know, the African language being resurrected again, mm. it's, it's quite a beautiful thing. Oh, thank you. Um, Fusi, do you have a question or did you just uh, want to comment on your love and admiration for Africans? <laughs> poetry. No, no, I, I, I just wanted to uh, comment on my love no, for I really appreciate poetry. your call. Yeah, thank and you literature, so yeah. All the best. Okay, thank you, Franco. Diana, as you can see, there's a lot because there's a huge, I don't know if you're aware of the debate about the Afrikaans language and um, all of the things related to even Afrikaans history. We do have a painful and conflicted excuse me, conflicted past. But there's a lot of beauty and there's a lot of connection in the language and we can hear from Vusi as well. Yes. You see the, 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 the language was used as a, as a, as a, as a tool of oppression mm. and um, and in that um, uh, you know uh, they actually took away uh, a lot of what the language could have been, mm. but thankfully, like Lucy said now, you know and you said, there are things I think language is doesn't belong to people. Mm. If I decide that I love this language, if I decide I love um, Swahili, mm. um, you know, I love it. It, it. I can, you know, I can love it. Nobody can can tell me not to love it. Mm. Because if there's if there's a beauty in it that um, that I love, nobody can take it away from me. Mm. And so Afrikaans, I think, has, has, has stood the test of time. Mm. Although... You know, now uh, we must be careful yeah. that we don't use Afrikaans as a political tool again. Mm. At all costs, we must prevent that. Mm. Now we must talk about, you know, the love that we have for languages. Yes. And, of, of course, about it cannot be um, a language that's being, um, you know, uh, put higher than other languages. Mm. Afrikaans is an indigenous language of South Africa. And so is Isikrosa, and so is Isizulu. And that must be said, you know. Mm-hmm. 
That and must whose responsibility is it, Diana? Because we look at, the, I, I know that you've got partnerships with uh, the Department of uh, Arts and Culture and Johannesburg Theatre, and you're hosting colloquia mm-hmm. on the literary arts as part of the Africa Month celebrations. Can we please discuss yeah. that after the break? Would you mind? And there's a, it's been popular discussion. There's so many callers would like to take a call as well. Is, is that all right? <laughs> That's quite okay. Thank you so Thank much. You. Back after the break, if you've just joined us, absolutely riveting discussion we're talking to miss diana faris uh, who is internationally acclaimed award-winning poet writer academic performance and storyteller a founder and member of the afrikaans scravers for bush poets and also woman exchange which is a grassroots woman writers and after the break we're talking about um the africa month celebrations in conjunction with the department of arts and culture and joburg theater about hosting colloquia on the literary arts as part of its Africa Month celebration. This year is centered on the theme celebrating 25 years of democracy, building a better Africa and a better world. Call Late Night Talk on 011-883-0702. We're back with Diana Ferris. And if you don't know her, of course, she is an internationally acclaimed award-winning poet, writer, and academic. And we're just learning a bit more about uh, the topic, which is Africa Month celebrations in conjunction with the Department of Arts and Culture and Joburg Theatre, hosting colloquia on the literary arts as part of its Africa Month celebration. This year is centered on the theme, celebrating 25 years of democracy, building a better Africa and better world. Diana, once again, thank you for joining us. It seems as if a lot of listeners have uh, called in. Uh, we just Before we read the poem, would you mind um, taking some of the calls? No, not at all. Problem, no. Um, we've got Scotto and Alex. She's got a question for you. Scotto, good evening and welcome. Uh, good evening, Watsanga. Um, uh, I've just a, 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 a small short question I would want to ask for the guest. Um, I would want to know exactly um, when we go back into the history of the question. Uh, I would want to know, uh, mm-hmm. how was the setup of the Khoisan? Did they have uh, uh, the king, the chiefs, or the king, uh, if they are set up in their communities? There is something uh, I'm not sure. All right. If I look here, when I, I just see what is happening now, like, I, I, I was seeing now that they think there's something. Some uh, other people are doing chiefs. Was it their communities? Like any chiefs, any chiefs, 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 something like that. All right, Godoa. We know that Diana is not a historian, but I'm sure she'll do her best. Uh, she do, does have a profound sense of knowledge with regards to the Afrikaans, the languages rather. But Diana, I don't know if you have any understanding of the chieftaincy setup with regards to the Khoi and the San communities. Yeah, I I don't have much I don't have much knowledge about that, mm. but I know that um, what people would say the last uh, Khoi chief mm. um, who was uh, David Stearman, mm. um, who was you know who escaped from Robben Island, and then the British had such a lot of problems with him, they sent him to Australia, where he died. Mm. And so one of our Australia. listeners also asked about the death of Sarah Batman. Do you know the cause? The causes of... Um, we... um, there was, there was a, a lot of illnesses mentioned, mm. um, and, uh, um, but, but, but we know that she was very sick. If you look at the 
at the uh, uh, plaster cast, you can see that that face is swollen. Mm. So she must have suffered quite a bit. Uh, uh, but of course, uh, listeners know that they wanted they wanted to her her mm. to pose naked for them, mm. the two scientists of of Napoleon George Cuvier and Jeffrey Sandinet. But mm. she never wanted she never wanted to. So when she died, mm. they immediately made the plaster cast, and then they had her body, you know, to do with it what they wanted to do. They took out a private part, her brain, oh, and then they started writing a book about how her brain, a genitalia, ears, a hair show. But she is not fully human. Mm. She and the people. They, she is what Darwin would call the missing link between human and ape. Mm. Yeah, no, that's really, really. Well, just another call, the Anonymous in Johannesburg. Good evening and welcome. Hello, Diane. Hello. Diane, I'm going to put it in a nutshell. My niece married a Hollander, and she yes. has three children, and the 18-year-old daughter is in her last year, and she is going to do history at university. Her yes. mother, my niece, is South African, born yeah. and bred, studied to be a doctor, became an anesthetist, and unfortunately, in December, November last year, she took her life. Her three Aww. daughters, her three children, are now coming out to see their auntie. And she is very interested in her mother's history of South Africa. Oh. Like the writer, Diana Ferris, the writer. D. Ferris, M. Writer. M for what? No, no, M, M doesn't come in there. I was, I was dear Macar. Diana, let, 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 let's take it offline and then we'll just give it to her. Yeah. Anonymous, thank you so much. We'll just take it and give it to her. Diana, we're going to take it and okay. then we'll share it with her offline. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Mm. Yeah, see, we see okay the importance of, of your work and how it resonates yes. with so many of our listeners. Oh man, it mm. was really oh, heart wrenching to hear. Thank you, mm. thank you, thank you for you know mm. for having me on and for allowing people to call. Mm. And we're just gonna get the email address and share it with her. Just uh, could, could you mind just quickly sharing it with us before? Uh, okay, it's D Ferris Writer, one word. All right, can you spell that for us? Sorry, D S. E double R U S writer at gmail dot com. So that's D S double R or D S E double R. Yeah, U S writer at gmail dot com. Yeah, got it. Ferris writer. Yeah, got it. Yeah, it's just so. Is it D Ferris or D Ferris? You said D S. D for Diana. D for Diana. And then D for Diana. D Ferris. Okay. Yeah. And then F. You said. 
D-E-F-E-R-R-U-S. Okay. Got it. So D-F-E-R-R-U-S, writer at gmail.com. Yeah. Got yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah, Dan, we're just running out of time. And before we end our show, how does all yeah. of the amazing work you do, including the, the Africans, Afrikaans language and where it comes from, and also just yeah. merging all these different ideas, um, how does it, <laughs> it, it, it talk to celebrating 25 years of democracy and building a better Africa and a better world? All this poetry, all this language, all these lovely literature and academic knowledge. How does it help in building a better Africa and a better world? Yes, uh, it's important that we celebrate who we are and we celebrate who we are through our writings. Mm. And that's why when we have 25 years of democracy, we don't show a Boeing um, that's been built, you know, and we'll have one evening, mm. but we will have a celebration of who we are, of what we've written about who our ancestors and what we have, the plans and how, that we have our future and who we want to be um, mm. in the future. It can only come through literature. And the event tomorrow, please tell us more about that. And then lastly, can you please read us the poem before we end off? I think it would be a lovely yeah. send-off. You know, I'm very excited because the guest speaker is Linton Crazy Johnson hmm. from the UK. Hmm. He's, a, he's, a, he's a singer and a poet. Hmm. And, um, and he's, been, you know, um, he's been writing about freedom and singing about freedom. And there will be Sindhiwe Magona, one of our great writers, um, James Matthews, who turned 90, and um, Don Matera. And we are going to, uh, with other writers, of course, mm. but we will be having discussions. But I think the, the thing that I'm looking forward to is the, the performance of the poetry. And what, what are the times and ways the event exactly? It's, you said, it's, sorry, it's, um, a, it's at the Soweto Theatre. <laughs> and on... at the Soweto Theatre mm-hmm. from 7. All right. From 7. All right. And people must come because... Uh, you know, see that they get themselves there because it's going to be a great program organized by the Department of Arts and Culture. As mentioned, it's at the Soweto Theatre. Booking is essential. Soweto Theatre, yes. And transport yeah. will be available from the Joburg Theatre to Soweto Theatre at 5 p.m. sharp. However, booking is essential for both transport and to reserve a seat at the Soweto Theatre on Tuesday, 28. For further details um, for the remaining colloquial problem can be found on www.dac.gov.za. So, uh, Diana, it's been an absolute pleasure, as I've mentioned. And um, can you please recite that amazing poet that you are so well-renowned <laughs> for and that started the catalyst for this amazing discussion this evening? Can I please thank you for the warm, lovely discussion and the beautiful questions that you asked? Thank you. Pleasure. I've come to take you home, a tribute to Sarah Bartner. I've come to take you home. Home. Do you remember the felt, the lush green grass beneath the big oak tree? The air is cool there, and the sun does not burn. I have made your bed at the foot of the hill. Your blankets are covered in buhu and mint. The proteas stand in yellow and white. And the water in the stream chuckles, sings songs as it hobbles along over little stones. I've come to wrench you away, away from the poking eyes of the man-made monster who lives in the dark with his clutches 
of imperialism. Who dissects your body bit by bit. Who likens your soul to that of Satan. And declares himself the ultimate God. Come to soothe your heavy heart. I offer my bosom to your weary soul. I will cover your face with the palms of my hands. Run my lips over the lines in your neck. Feast my eyes on the beauty of you. And I will sing for you. For I have come to bring you peace. I've come to take you home where the ancient mountains shout your name. I've made your bed at the foot of the hill. Your blankets are covered in buchel and mint. The proteas stand in yellow and white. I've come to take you home where I will sing for you. For you have brought me peace. For you have brought us peace. Diana Ferris. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. That was absolutely beautiful. It's been a pleasure once again. Thank you for your time, Diana, and all the best. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye.